here this morning. Ray Highfield preached for us when we were on 16th and Poplar. I still remember the sermon he preached. He preached on companies coming. What you don't know is that was a major shift in our church where we decided to be a church for lost people, broken people, and what you see today in many ways was birthed in that sermon. Just amazing. It's amazing. And now you're here. It just blows. You don't, you don't know when you meet a little kindergarten girl. She's coming to MCA for kindergarten, and yesterday I performed a, her marriage to Jerry Costello III. And uh, she loves the Lord dearly. She doesn't live here anymore. She lives in St. Louis anymore. And she lives in St. Louis now, but that's, of course, J.C. Noble, uh, and that's what I'm down here for. And so I was her pastor since kindergarten, and she was already gone by the time that Rick and Debbie came. So she asked me to do uh, the wedding, and um, I asked Rick, and Rick was just very gracious to let us come. Thank you for the invitation today. I'm just overwhelmed. Um, I didn't sleep much last night because I just found out last night that I'd be speaking today, and my heart's overwhelmed. <laughs> but <laughs> appreciate the heads up there, Rick. <laughs> When you're passing through Knoxville, just get ready for it, you know. <laughs> Come by the church and ask for gas money or something, you know. Um, I, I just kind of struggled with what to say this morning. And I, I want to talk about, I, I'm going to use for a theme scripture today, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It's a scripture you're, you're very familiar with. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Whenever uh, preachers or teachers use the word therefore, read the word therefore, we're taught to ask what's it there for. And so Hebrews 12, 1 says, therefore... So you ask, what's it there for? And the reason it's there is because of chapter 11, which is commonly known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. Famous people of faith. Uh, many of them that received miracles from God and then at the end of the chapter, others that didn't receive the miracles the way that they wanted them to and they died in faith not having received the promise. But it says, therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I've always thought that was an interesting word. And I recently learned that that, that word cloud there for the cloud of witnesses in the Greek is a reference to what we would call today the nosebleed seats in a stadium. So, so in their day, they would say, if someone was watching the game up in the upper deck, far off, we, they would say they're in the clouds. They're up in the clouds watching the game. And so the idea is that, that in our walk with the Lord that there are people that are up in the nosebleed seats. How many do we have in church today at Christ Community Church? Let me just say, it depends on, depends on how you count. And the reason I say that is because Hebrews says in addition to the good crowd of folks that we have here, the, the, it says that there are thousands and thousands of angels. Amen. It says that the spirits of just men made perfect are here. It says that Jesus is here with us this morning. And, and I, remember, I remember when I first kind of understood this concept that those that have died in Christ still have some kind of connection with us. I'm not talking about in some spooky way, but I'm talking in a biblical way. Hebrews, Hebrews 12 and 13 here says that, that, that they are somehow with us and that the spirits of just men made perfect. In fact, at, at Linda West's funeral, it's the first time that I ever really discovered that. I was studying for her funeral and I read somewhere in one of the commentaries that, that the, the early church believed that those who had died in faith were still part of the church. And those who were still alive were called the church militant. And those that died were called the church triumphant. So today we're with the church militant, but we're also here with the church up in the clouds, cheering us on, 
Hallelujah. Who's been here all 99 years of our history? You know, I'm thinking about Eileen Heiser's husband, who I knew when I came here, who was one of the founding members. He's up in the clouds now, Mike. Ha. Eileen Heiser's up in the clouds now. Amen. Amen. Linda West is up in the clouds now. Hallelujah. Cheering us on, but, but it indicates that there's all these heroes of faith. And, and so we have this Hall of Fame, and there's, there, there's people that you don't really know why they got in there. Samson, Samson's mentioned in the Hall of Fame, and you're like, why'd Samson get in there? He kind of lived a cruddy life, you know, the whole Delilah thing, and you know, he, he had this wonderful call on his life, and messes it up, and, and, uh, and, and, and lives his whole life, you know, sort of in a, in a cruddy way, and he loses his eyes, you know, the, the story, and spends the rest of his eyes just wa- days walking in circles, and and grinding at the mill for the Philistines, the, the person that he was born, he was born to defeat the Philistines. Spends his life working for the Philistines. Accept that, accept that at the very end of his story. He calls on God. He calls on God and, 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 and at the end of his life, you, you know the story, they're making fun of him. They're having a feast for the god Dagon, making fun of Israel's God. And they call, they call Samson to make sport of him. And Samson's there, and he calls on God one more time, and when he does, you know the story. He begins to push those pillars, and, and cracks begin to appear, and, and, and the Scripture says that the building came down, and, and more Philistines were killed Amen. in his final act. And, and, and God wants us to know, and the reason he's in the Hall of Fame, and somebody here needs to hear that today, is that failure is never final. Amen. 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 So when you read that Hall of Fame, there's a lot of people that, you know, through their lives they had issues, but they ended well. But but I want to talk about a different character today. And this guy, there would be no question about why he's in the Hall of Fame. In the Old Testament, he's considered the prince of the prophets. His name is Elijah. Elijah was such a big deal that when Jesus appears at the mountain of transfiguration, he appears there with Moses, who represents the law, and Elijah, who represents the prophets. He's kind of a big deal. He's such a big deal that that he doesn't die the way that normal people die. But at the end of his life, if you know the story, he's he's caught up in a a chariot of fire. And I want to lift up his life today. Uh, we We could mention so many of the great victories that Elijah did. But I actually want to lift up another story of his And I'm gonna use Elijah as an illustration of for us when we feel like life is falling apart. Just before we get to where his life sort of falls apart, he experiences what you might consider his his greatest victory ever. Elijah was a prophet of the northern kingdom. Uh, Israel was going through sort of a civil war at the time, and and the the north and the south were divided. There were 10 tribes in the north and two tribes in the south, and Elijah was the prophet of the northern tribes. And and there was a a king there by the name of Ahab, and he was a weak king. Uh, He was weak, but his wife, frankly, was wicked. Her name was Jezebel. So you had weak Ahab and and you had wicked Jezebel who were the king and they had done everything wrong. They had killed the prophets of God and they had made Baal their God. They were worshiping an idol by the name of Baal and uh, they were worshiping him and, 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 and Elijah was instructed to confront Ahab. And so Elijah comes up to Ahab and uh, there's, this, there's this meeting, and I just, I just kind of picture them just kind of walking around each other like this. And Ahab says to Elijah, oh, there's that troublemaker. And Elijah says back, uh, excuse me, I'm not the troublemaker. You're the troublemaker. You've killed all of God's prophets. Excuse me, sir, but you're the troublemaker here, not me. And Elijah was feeling frisky that day. 
And he looks out at the audience and he says, who are you gonna serve? Ghostbusters. No, just kidding. Um, It just has that cadence, doesn't it? No, he just says, who are you gonna serve? And when he says, who are you gonna serve? Nobody says a word. They're just, they're just like, I don't, want to say, I don't want to say anything. You got, you got Ahab up here. You got all these prophets of Baal up here. You got one guy standing over here representing God. I think I want to sit this one out. And so nobody says a word. And Elijah's like, what's wrong with you people? Does the cat got your tongue? What's wrong? What, what's wrong? Here we are. We've got the greatest God ever. And so he looks, at the, he looks at the prophets of Baal and he challenges them. And he says, he says, let's have a contest and let's just see whose God is God and which God answers by fire. He says, you know what? Let's take two bulls and just to be fair, I'm gonna let you all go first. And not only that, I'm gonna let you pick which bull you want to catch on fire. And I just picture the prophets of Baal trying to look for some dry, easily combustible bull. They're just looking for some bull that will be easy to catch on rather than one beefy, bloody bull. They don't go for that. They go for the skinny one that looks like it just might catch quick, you know? And so, and so the prophets of Baal, they get to pick their bull. And they pick their bull, and the uh, 450 prophets of Baal, uh, uh, Elijah says, you call on your God and see if he answers by fire. And so they start praying to their God, and Elijah's just watching over there, (laughs) watching as they're calling on their God uh, to, to consume this sacrifice. And Elijah starts doing something that we call trash talk. (laughs) He does. Elijah just starts, he's like, "Um, uh, what's wrong? You got on vacation? (laughs) Because, you know, mine doesn't take vacations. (laughs) You know? And so they start praying more, and he's like, uh, oh. And in fact, the Hebrew, the Hebrew is much more crass with it than we can really be in English. In English, they said it very nicely. They said, is your God relieving himself? (laughs) He's saying, is your God going to the bathroom? Maybe he's on a potty break. He doesn't have time to consume this because he's gone. And, 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 then, and then he said, maybe he's taking a nap. If you'd pray louder, maybe then, maybe then your God would hear. So they start saying, oh, Baal, oh, Baal. And they start cutting themselves and moaning as loud as they can. And Elijah's just watching the whole thing all the way until nighttime. And they finally just tire out and quit because that bull wasn't burning. And the scripture said, Elijah rebuilds the altar of God. He takes 12 stones. Interesting. They're they're divided, 10 and 2. He says, "Uh uh-uh, we're not divided. He takes 12 stones. You're the God of all 12 tribes. Takes 12 stones and he builds an altar. And then then he, he, he says, I'll tell you what, just to make this so no one can accuse me of cheating, Y'all go get water and take four vats full of water and, and pour those vats over the bull. We don't just want it, we don't, we, we don't want it uh, just a little bit wet. We want it soaking wet. And then he said, I want you to do it three times. Now, I'd never thought about this before, but think about it. On one level, he's doing it just to say, uh, I want to I I make sure you know you're not cheating. But, but, but I'm pretty good at math, and, and I figured out that if they had four vats and they did it three times, that was 12. Hmm. So while, they're, while he is indicating to, to, to the prophets of Baal, you know, I, I just don't want, I, but, but he's also indicating something to God. He's saying, God, you're the God of Israel. You're the God of the 12. You're the God of all of us. And, and, and so after they're done with that, Elijah just, he prays a simple prayer, no contortions. 
says, dear God, remember your servant. Remember your people, Israel. Consume the sacrifice. Suddenly, the Bible says, fire came from heaven. Not only, did it, not only did it consume the sacrifice, it lapped up all the water and dried up all the water. It burned stone. It burned all the stone and burned the altar down. And so the prophets of Baal are just sitting there like that. The prophets of Baal, if you know the story, are, are killed that day. And, and, and he, has this, he has this great, great moment of victory. I like that story. But I can really relate to the next part. <laughs> because 1 Kings 19, 1 and 2 um, says this. When Ahab got home, he told on Elijah. <laughs> I'm telling Jezebel. He told everything that Elijah had done, including the way he'd killed the prophets of Baal. And Jezebel was not weak. She was wicked. She wasn't all talk. She would do it. And she said, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just like you had killed them. Now this guy has just defeated 450 prophets of Baal. He's just taken on the king. And when the woman speaks up, he runs for his life. How many men know what I'm talking about this morning? Amen. None of you will admit it, you cowards. You're going to leave me hanging here up by myself. <laughs> He's totally afraid of Jezebel. 1 Kings 19.3 says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. I want to stop and say that our perspective shapes our reality. Our perspective shapes our reality. You know the person that thinks that everything is going to hell in a handbasket and nothing's going to work out good and the person that believes that God can do anything and that our best days ahead of us, you know what those two guys have in common? They're both right. Because your perspective shapes your future how you think about your family, how you think about your marriage, how you think about things greatly affects how it's going to go. Somebody said amen this morning. Amen. 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 Thank you, George. Amen. I miss you, George. Hallelujah. (laughs) Come visit me anytime, George. Can you tell it's good to be home? It's just so good to be home and see so many familiar faces and hear the amen corner this morning. Our perspective shapes our reality. There's something called self-fulfilling prophecy. That, that how we think about our future, as a man thinks in his heart, right? So is he. It's this idea that, 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 you know, one day he's filled with faith and power. I know it never happens here, but sometimes in Tennessee, you know, we've had recently, and I'm, our congregation could fit, our, our, our church could fit on the platform almost. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little, but not much. It's a small church. We, we have two services on Sunday. But, but, it's, but, but we're in a good season right now, and we've had a couple Sundays recently where the praise team had to sit on the floor. And I'm like... Yeah, yeah, time to build, Mm. yeah, you know. And then the next week, there was some empty seats, and I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Isn't that the way life is? One day, you know, we're, we're taking on the prophets of Baal, and the next day, we're running for Jezebel. I, I just want to stop for a moment and say, We need people in our lives that will encourage us. We need people in our lives. We need those Joshua and Caleb's that say, we are well able to overcome it. Amen. Amen. I just want to take a moment to say right now, 
You guys got the best pastors in the state of Illinois. Amen. And, 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 and you just need to make it your full-time job to just say, come on, Rick and Debbie. We got this thing together. Hallelujah. Amen. There's nothing that we can't do with God. Amen. Amen. It's your full-time job just to be an encourager. You know why? Because the word courage is in the word encourage. And the word courage is in the way discourage. Discourage means to take your courage away. And encourage means to, to give someone more courage. Can I just encourage? I just want to preach at your church like I want someone preaching at my church right now. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just really believe. I'm going to just stop here for a moment till I hear enough amens to believe that this is going to happen. Amen? Amen. But I just got to believe. Amen. I got to believe that a pastor and his wife are only as good as the people that follow. And you've gotta have, you've gotta have, to have great leadership, you've gotta have great fellowship. And you're a great church, and I just wanna encourage you to encourage them, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. You know, I used to take uh, Mondays off work, and I had a professor one time said, don't take Mondays off because Mondays pastors are so depressed. Don't take that day off. Amen. <laughs> every, every pastor, people, somebody who's bad knows that's the truth. There's something about the high of Sunday that on, on Monday you're wondering why you were born. You know? <laughs> this is where we find him, right? This is where we find Elijah. Uh, uh, and, and, and the devil tries to take advantage of those moments. The scripture says that he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, amen. He's always lurking in the background. And when that happens, when that happens, um, here's a good acronym for you. You need to halt, you need to stop. And, and, and halt stands for, for, for uh, four things. H stands for hungry. Sometimes when you're hungry, your attitude. Huh, I, for me, food solves a lot of problems, amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I've been eating my way through Southern Illinois. Hallelujah. Amen. I've been to Sergio's for the quesadilla fajita. We've had some, we've had some strawberry shortcake at 17th Street. Hallelujah. I had Cindy Bees this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. I had a flams, apple, Cobbler with ice cream yesterday. Hallelujah. But right now, Elijah's hungry. I can prove it to you in a minute because God feeds him. He's running. He's hungry. A is for angry. When you're angry. You know, here I am. Here I am, the man of God. Now you've got Jezebel chasing me. Ticks me off. I'm angry. When you're lonely. You're in a bad place when you're lonely. And when you're tired, I think, I think Elijah's probably all these things. He's hungry, angry, lonely, and he's tired. And after the incredible high of Mount Carmel, he's feeling lost and alone. And I want to say to us, we're only alone if we choose to be alone. You don't need to be alone. L look at what the scripture says. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He made a big mistake. He left his encourager. He left his encourager behind and he goes all by himself and he goes a whole, he's a whole day away from anybody. He's out in the wilderness and so he sits down under a solitary broom tree. A broom tree is like a, like, like, like a very weak shade tree. It's just a little bitty, wimpy shit. It's not even, it's, it's not even worth, it's, it, the, the, the Bible's trying to tell you it right here, it's bad. <laughs> it's the scruffiest little tree, his little broom tree he's sitting under. He doesn't got anybody with him. He's hungry, he's lonely, he's tired. And he said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. I, I, I'm going to stop right here because there might be somebody in this building right now that that's the way you feel about your marriage, about your life, about something going on in your kids. I don't know what it is. And you're just feeling like I've had enough, Lord. Can I just say, don't leave here today 
without receiving ministry because the Holy Spirit is in the house today. Amen. And he's feeling alone and he's feeling lost. And it's not, I don't think he's suicidal. He's not suicidal. I've had days like that. I'm not suicidal, but I'm like, God, if you want to take me, this would be a good day. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, that's, that, that's his prayer. But I want you to know that God's plan is always better than our plan. If you are here and you are breathing, there's hope. The scripture says among the living, there's hope. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. Amen. If you're alive and taking breath here this morning, there's hope for you. God wants you to know your best days are still ahead of you. Amen. 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 Then he laid down and slept under that broom tree, but while he was sleeping, he was touched by an angel. Hallelujah. Who told him, now this is, I told you he was hungry. He says, get up and eat. Get up and eat. Sometimes you just have to, you have to have an attitude adjustment. Get out of bed, Elijah. Come on. Get up and eat. When our kids were small, sometimes they would go to bed and maybe they'd had a bad day and we'd tuck them into bed. And sometimes we would just do something kind of radical with our kids. We would go just after they'd gotten to sleep, run into their bedrooms, and mom and I would say, hey kids, we're going on a pajama ride. And we would get them in the car, we'd go down to Logan Park while they're still trying to wake up, and we'd put them on swings, and we'd start swinging them, and we'd put them on merry-go-round, and before you know it, they're going, ha, 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 pajama ride, pajama ride. I think God took Elijah on a pajama ride. <laughs> Get up, Elijah. It's time to readjust our thinking here. So, so, so what do we got to do? We got to choose to let go and let God. Scripture says, there he came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, tore down your altars, they've killed every one of your prophets, I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. I, I want to point out that this is happening in a cave complaining in a cave. You know, you know what the problem with complaining? I, I, we were in a cave the other night for the wedding rehearsal dinner. It was literally in a cave. Actually, Debbie McNeely and Rick were in the cave last night. We went to the cave just to look at And Debbie and I were singing in the cave. Oh. Yeah, we, were just, we were just doing amens and stuff like that. And why we were doing it just because the echo in the room, you know? So the problem with complaining in a cave is what? When you're complaining in a cave, you're just hearing that echo of your own voice. Oh, it's so bad in here, bad in here, bad in here, bad in here, bad in here. <laughs> My life's not worth it, not worth it, not worth it, not worth it, not worth it. It's just, it's just that, have you ever just been sort of like stuck in that one thought, one thought, one thought, one thought? You can't, you can't get rid of it. You're just, you've got stinking thinking going on, going on, going on, going on. And it's in a cave, you got a cave, you know. You know, it's just over and over and over and over. Everything that you say is coming back to your ears. So it, it, it's okay to complain, but don't complain in a cave. Because here's what God says. God says, go stand before me on the mountain. Now, now listen to this. A lot of scholars believe that when he says, go stand by me in the mountain, this is the same place that Moses was when God's glory passed by him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. A mighty windstorm hit the mountain. That's not wind. I gotta work on my sound effects. Such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but God was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Abraham, when Elijah heard the whisper, he had to wrap his face in his cloak. And he stood at the entrance of the cave, and a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he, he said the same thing he said in the cave. I've zealously served the Lord Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. So when you choose to let go, you've got to choose to let go of it all. It's okay, it's okay to complain to God. Can I just tell you that you might as well because God already knows about it anyway. <laughs> we used to sing a, an old hymn, Dad, tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus alone. So, so you, you got to let go of it all. And then, and this is kind of a weird phrasing, but let go out of it all. In other words, you got to get out of the cave. You, you can't just say it inside of your cave, but, but God says, come on out of the cave. And now I want you to say it. He says the same thing that he said in the cave, but this time it doesn't echo. This time it's there to be received by God. You've got you've to bring it to the Lord and let go of it. Amen? Amen. I, I, I don't know about you all, but I've got some unanswered prayers still in my life right now. You know what I'm saying? But, I, but, I've, gotta, but I've got to bring those to the Lord. Amen. Know that he hears them. Know that he cares about them and I've got to keep on living. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? Amen. Amen. You, you can't just stay in your cave in your echo chamber and keep hearing it over and over, but let go out of it all, and finally, you got to let go of it once and for all. I, I love that there's a scripture there that uh, when they come through the Red Sea, that, that, uh, that, that God says, see those Egyptians over there? The Egyptians that you see today, you're never going to see those Egyptians again. There's some things that we've got to let go of once and for all. We can't go, keep going back to the same old, same old. We can't keep going over the same road over and over. We, we finally have to let go of it all and let God handle it for us. Now, I, th that's the good news. The bad news is there'll be other Egyptians. Amen. There'll be, other, there'll be other issues along the way. There'll be other problems along the way, other things that we've got to take to God, but we've got to let go once and for all. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way that you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive there, now he starts telling him what to do. I want you to anoint Haziel to be the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape by Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 in Israel who have never bowed to Baal or kissed him. In other words, he said, you thought you were alone. You know, sometimes when I'm going through that, sort of that, that why me thing, and I'll think, oh man, everyone's, no, no one loves the Lord. And then God will just bring, oh no, what about them? I'm sure Pastor Rick and Debbie do that as they think about some of those of you in the church. Oh, no. They're still walking it. They're still living it. They're not, they're not bowing their knee to Baal. They're not doing those things. And God said, I've still got 7,000 who haven't done that. Choose to let God direct our path. So I have now, I have now this, is, this may be surprising to you. I don't know if it seems short or long to you depending on the day is whether it seems short or long. I've now been gone from here seven years. Uh, next, next week, we're going to celebrate our seventh anniversary uh, in Knoxville, just as you're celebrating seven years here. And uh, it, every day ha has not been a holiday, and every meal has not been a feast in, in, uh, in, in church planting. In fact, it's one of the only anniversaries we've ever celebrated because other anniversaries have gone. We thought, ah, wait till next year. Maybe we'll have celebrate a little bit more next year. But we're, we're going to celebrate this year. God's doing some really great things. And uh, God will direct your paths. Um, 
<clears throat> part, of, part of my story in, in, in Knoxville is, is, is when, you're, when you're planting a church, you often have to do something else besides pastor. So I'm, I'm an Uber driver. And if you know about anyone ever taking Uber or Lyft, I'm your guy. <clears throat> the way that works is on algorithms. Algorithms means that you, uh, when, when you call for an Uber or a Lyft, it will ping the closest driver to wherever you are. So it's kind of a chance meeting thing, but God likes chance meeting kind of things. God likes to set up algorithms. God likes to make it not just accidental. So before I Uber drive, I'll pray um, that God will just direct my steps that day and direct who's supposed to be in my car. And so, and so one day uh, I got a ping and uh, it was a girl who needed a ride just less than a mile. She got in the back seat of the car. Her name was Chuming. Chuming was from China. And uh, in just a, 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 the matter of a, a minute, I had told her that I was a pastor. I got, I got less than a mile before she was to her destination. Chuming says to me, you're a Christian. I want to be a Christian. How do I be a Christian? I got less than a mile. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying hard. I do the best I can. Oh, 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 then she says, then she says, my boyfriend tells me you have to be baptized. And I tried to explain to her real quick what baptism was. Gave her my card, never heard from Chuming. A month later, I'm driving, ping, Chuming again. I take Chuming, she asks me more about my faith. I get to the end of the ride, here's another card, never hear from Chuming. A month later, ping, it's Chuming again. Chuming says, I believe in fate. This is not an accident. I'm coming to your church this Sunday. Chuming came that Sunday and the Sundays that followed, and Chuming got baptized. Amen. 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 Uh, uh, another time I was, I was, I was driving, and, and I picked up these ladies uh, that could barely speak English. They were from Iran. They were Muslims. They were fleeing their country for freedom. Uh, they, were, they were so glad to be in America, they had taken the hijabs off their heads while they were on the airplane. So they were, they were, they were casually Muslim, but that's because that's all they knew. So we just started helping them, and how can we help you find an apartment? And so we helped Sepeda and Sakar find an apartment. They had us over for dinner. Their Muslim mother... I learned a lot about Muslims during that time. The Shiite Muslims believe in Jesus. Not only do they believe in Jesus, they believe in the resurrection of Jesus. They don't believe Jesus is the Son of God, they don't, but they really like Jesus. So her Muslim mother says, God sent you to this church. Go to this church. And the Muslim mother started sending me prayer requests from Iran. Pray for my son who I'm uh, not in contact with. We prayed for her son. Her son contacted her that week. I got word back from the Muslim mother in Iran who said, she said, my, my son has made contact. If he comes all the way home, I'm gonna believe everything about Jesus. It was just a matter of a few weeks before Sepeda and Sakar were baptized. They're part of our church today. This morning, I could tell you story after story. Today, there will be 10 to 12 folks in our church that were my Uber. If they were all there on the same Sunday, we'd have 20 people probably there that were not just my Uber drivers on these, on these algorithmic chance meetings. And, uh, and, and just this morning, I got a text during, during service from our worship leader. There's 10 freshman college students here this morning. You know, just really excited. Um, but like God, and so as I was reading this, Pastor Rick, I was, I was thinking about the fact that there's some Hazels out in this audience here this morning. There's some Jehus out in this 
audience this morning. There's some Elishas out in this out in this congregation this morning and, it's, and God directs your path. And as we continue anointing people and praying for people, the work that we've done in, in, in our lives, it's gonna, be, it's gonna be superseded by people that we reach and people that, 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 that come, to know the Christ, come to know Christ through our ministries, amen. 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 So, he, amen. so choose God to direct our path. Choose him to demonstrate his uh, to, to determine our plans. The scripture says, I know the plans I have for you. Debbie, if you'd come um, and, and, and play f- for me. I know the plans. That, somebody needs to hear that this morning. His plan for you was not to end in a cave. Amen. Amen. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. Amen. Choose to let God demonstrate his providence. God is in control. And Pastor Rick, I was thinking about this seven thing because I'm not a big numerologist, but you can't get around seven. Seven's too big. Seven's too important to God. So I want to declare just a few things over Christ Community Church related to seven. The seventh time around Jericho, the priest sounded the trumpet blast and Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. One of the things I just want to declare over Christ Community is in the seventh year, I just want to declare victory, amen. Ha. Victory! Then on the seventh day, let's see. No. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day that he rested from all of his work of creation. And so I just want to say to you, Pastor Rick and to Debbie, I just declare rest. And it's not the kind of rest like you're just taking a vacation, but it's the kind of rest where God's working while you're not working that you're still doing it, but God's, before it was all late, you know, the, the, the six days were, were really hard, but the seventh day, you just get to see the glory of God and you get to rest from your labor. So I just declare rest, hallelujah. And then I thought about Naaman who went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God instructed him and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child and he was healed. And I just want to declare healing for Christ Community Church. Amen. Amen. Year seven. There's people that are struggling and this is going to be your year of healing. <laughs> the year of God's favor in your life. Amen. The, le- the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. Hallelujah. Another Elijah story. Elijah, at the end of a drought, he, 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 he asked his servant to go up the hill seven times to see if there's any rain. By the way, did you all hear the rain today? <laughs> On the seventh time, the Bible said, I saw a cloud about the size of a man's hand. So one of the things I want to declare for Christ Community Church this year is Blessing. Showers of blessings. Hallelujah. Seven to be a year of blessing. And then, and then when it all wraps up in Revelation, it says when the seventh angel, it, 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 when you get to Revelation, it's just like seven, 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 seven. The seventh angel blows the seventh trumpet. It says God's mysterious plan will be fulfilled. And I'm just declaring over Christ Community Church, a year of revelation. Hallelujah. Victory, rest, healing, blessing, provision, revelation, seven, seven. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Hallelujah. Sevens on the way. I want to teach you a song if I can. 
It's a song I'm just learning. It's a, it's a new worship song that you ever just hear a worship song and then you just go like playing it over and over and over and over and over and over. This is my song right now and I think this is, this is for Christ's community today. So I'm gonna try to sing it and if, if you can learn it, it's pretty easy. Just sing it with me. Can, can I get a handheld mic for this one? Thank you. Strength within the sorrow There's beauty in our tears And you meet us in our mourning With a love that casts out fear You are working in our waiting sanctifying us when beyond our understanding you're teaching us to trust your plans are still to prosper you've not forgotten us you're with us in the fire flood faithful forever perfect in love you are sovereign over us you are wisdom unimagined who could understand your ways who could understand your Raining high above the heavens, raining high above the heavens. Sing it with me. Reaching down in endless grace, reaching down in endless grace. You're the lifter of the lowly. You're the lifter of the lowly. Compassionate and kind. Compassionate and kind. You surround and you uphold me. You surround and you uphold me and your promises are my delight and your promises are my delight your plans are still to prosper you've not forgotten us you're with us in the fire and the flood faithful forever still to prosper you've not forgotten us you're with us in the fire and the flood faithful forever perfect in love you are sovereign over us listen to this part even what the enemy means for evil for our good and for your glory even in the valley you are faithful you're working for our good you're working for our good and for your glory even what the enemy meant for evil you turn it for our good you turn it for our good and for your glory in the valley you are faithful you're working for our good you're working for our good and for your glory your plans are still to prosper you've not forgotten us you're with us in the fire and the flood
the microphone to the greatest pastor of the greatest church in the state of Illinois. Can you give him a hand? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Phil said, make sure I don't tell his brother what he said. I thought about, wasn't that great today? You know, I, I thought about when he was talking about Elijah's journey, and Elijah comes to that place, and sometimes you can get in such a situation that you feel like you're the only one, and God reminds him that I've got 7,000 others that have never kissed Baal's lips. One of the things that when you're pastoring, one of the things that becomes uh, the big, one of the big challenges, it's letting people go. And how many of you know that sometimes you have to let people go? A pastor's a gatherer by nature, so it's difficult to release folks. But I found out a long time ago that if you learn how to bless people going out, God will bless people coming in. And so... Today, I'm going to ask uh, Carrie and Melinda and Kathy and Eddie, if they would, to come forward. Their, their lives have, are taking them on journeys. Uh, Melinda and Carrie are going to Alabama, and Kathy and Eddie are going to Ohio. If you would just come up. I, I thought about, uh, last week we made a trip and we were going into... We went to Ohio. Of, no, we were in Kentucky, close to Ohio, to a place called the Creation Museum. And Debbie and I walked out. And when we walked out of there, we were walking around to a garden. And I was looking at all these flowers, and I saw all these bumblebees. And when I saw those bumblebees, I, I watched what they were doing because I remember reading about bumblebees. And they, a lot of bees get on the flower, you know, and they're, they're extracting nectar. But the unique thing about a bumblebee, when it hits a flower, it's moving its legs and it's gathering nectar. And then as it goes to the next flower, it picks up more, but it imparts where it's been. And so we praise God for the season that he gave us together, that you brought something to this church and where you had been and this church has imparted something to you to take where you're going and so that you guys can be a blessing there as well. I, if the church would, I want you to stand and just stretch your hands toward them. I always tease Eddie. Eddie I tell Eddie he's my brother from another mother because he... When, when Eddie gets away from Kathy, he eats foot-long hot dogs and comes back and tells her about how I made him do that. We love both these couples, and I know that God's got good things in store for you, and you need to know from my heart and Debbie's heart and the heart of this church this will always be your home. It'll always be your home. We want to pray over you. And I, I, I told them, I said, look, you guys got to come back. I'm not letting you go if you don't come back. And so we look forward to seeing you all coming in. And 
when you come, it'll always be home. Uh, and thank you for what you've imparted with us and that DNA that you left here that we gleaned from and were able to take us to a, another step and higher in God. And, and I pray that what you've picked up here will carry you and God will continue to bless you where you're going. And I, I, I do want to say this, you know, when as, as Phil was speaking today, and I thought it was odd, he started talking about some things that God had been talking to me about concerning seven. And that, that this, I, I want to say this to the church, and I don't know who this is for, but I heard this when I, I was praying yesterday, and it was so strong in my spirit, and I heard it in an audible way, and it was put it to rest seven years put it to rest so whatever you've been carrying whatever you've been holding whatever's been a burden around your a chain around your ankle or a burden around your neck it's time to put it to rest because God's best for you is in the future not behind you amen Let's give him a hand clap of praise in here. I want the church, if you would, to stretch your hands toward them. We want to pray for them. I think I've got some. No, I was looking for some Crisco. <laughs> if you would just come in here, guys. Would you stretch your hands toward them right now? Father, we're so thankful for these God, that you've brought into our lives. We ask your blessing on them. God, and we know, Lord, that family is family forever. And so we thank you, God, for our family. We pray your blessing over them, God, and that wherever they walk and wherever they stand, that that pollen of your spirit Lord, will cause growth and life to come forth. I pray your tangible blessing on them, God, in a visible way so that everywhere they go, people look and say, I don't know what it is about those folks, but whatever they've got, I want. I thank you, God, for the time that you've given us together. I pray, Father, Lord, that you'll multiply blessing on them until you bring us together again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I said, we'll see you again. Kathy and Eddie will be coming back to minister for us. And he's going to blow his horn for us. Matter of fact, I thought about just kidnapping the horn. Maybe I put it to my lips, it would just happen. But we, we appreciate them so much, and we appreciate you. Let me say this to you today. We're getting ready. I, I just want you, if you would, to take somebody by the hand right now. Would you do that? And this is what I, as we were getting ready to baptize today with Samantha and Liv, and we thank God for them. I was speaking to them in the office, and I said, girls, there's something you need to understand, that today isn't a second chance or starting over. Today, everything is brand new. Brand new. I want you to hear what I'm saying we're entering in to something brand new. Amen. And I believe with my heart that we're getting ready to see heavens open in ways that we've never seen it before. Amen. Let's stretch our hands to heaven and pray together right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, for each other. Matter of fact, just pray for the person standing next to you. Would you, God, we thank you for our family. God, I pray your blessing on each one. God, that you will increase them in this coming year. I know this is 
September, but God, for us, we're celebrating seven years, and Lord, we believe that we're entering into your rest, to that perfect place with you where heavens open up and we see the fruit of all that you've done, and we say it is good. It is good in Jesus' name. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise in here. May the Lord smile on you and bless you and keep you, make you to know that you're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Greet each other in the lobby, love on one another, and let's celebrate Jesus together.